welcome to the first episode of Birth Stories. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm Denise, and today I'll be sharing the birth story of my seven-year-old daughter. In future pods, I'll be chatting with other women about their birth stories, but today it's me. So let's dive in. My labor lasted for three days, and it ended in the delivery of my daughter via C-section. I know three days is a long time, and before I jump into the details of how that came about, I first wanna talk a little bit about my pregnancy just to give you context. So my pregnancy was challenging in some ways and then super easy in others. I was healthy. I could do many things physically, work out, ran for a while. I felt good for the most part. And the challenging part was that I had pregnancy sickness basically all 10 months. At the beginning, I vomited around eight to 10 times a day, and I lost a lot of weight. And eventually I figured out that having too much of like a carb, protein, or fat in one meal caused me to vomit. And so if I kept this balance of carbs, protein, and fat in each meal, then the food tended to stay down. So that meant I couldn't binge on like ice cream or have lots of fries or pizza that I imagined. I ate a lot of yogurt and I ate a lot of salmon sandwiches. So, and I couldn't splurge at all. If I, if I splurged on ice cream or a donut, it just came up. So you can imagine I was ready to have my daughter. I was ready. I was ready to have her when the time was right and when my body was ready to have her. And at the end of my pregnancy, I remember the last prenatal appointment at around 42 weeks. I went in, by then I was going in to get checkups about every couple of days because they were concerned that I was over 40 weeks. But we all know that those things aren't completely accurate, but I went along and on my last appointment, my urine sample came back high in protein. So I was told to drink lots of water and then take it again, just in case if it was a fluke. And it still came back, the second one, high in protein. So they took my blood pressure and it was high. And so the alarms went off and I was told to go to the hospital immediately to get induced. And again, at this point, I was ready to have her. I really was. But with one major caveat, and that was it had to be vaginally. I was only prepared to have a vaginal birth, and a C-section was not an option in my mind. Even when I was advised to consider other options just in case something didn't go as planned, I did not. I didn't do any research on a C-section and what that would entail, um, the procedure, the recovery, none of that. I kept that information far away because I had watched the Business of Being Born documentary. I had done my research on vaginal birth and a vaginal birth was what I was going to have. 
It sounds silly now, but at the time, I was so tunneled vision. I thought I was doing the best thing for her. That's what I was going to do. And that's what I focus on doing. And I did everything in my power to have the vaginal birth and to do what I thought was the best for her. So when I checked in to the hospital, I was clear that I wanted a vaginal birth. I even drove to a further away Kaiser that was known to have the most midwives available to increase my chances of having one. And when I got there, I was very clear that I wanted a vaginal birth and I wanted to do everything I could to increase my chances of that. And so that meant things going very gradual and slowly. So I'm at the hospital, I'm attached to a baby monitor and a blood pressure monitor because my blood pressure is just points away from them taking me in for an emergency C-section. They told me that if I went, if it went up just five points to 140 for the top number, if I remember correctly, and I don't remember the bottom number, but if it went up just five points, I would go into surgery immediately. So I was taking deep breaths, drinking cold water. I remember that. Those two things were the key things to keep it down. So to start the induction, they first pulled my cervical plug. Waited some hours to see if that was helping. It didn't. I wasn't really dilating. I don't even think my cervix was completely extended or soft either then. So my body just kind of wasn't ready. The next step was a balloon cervical dilator, but the balloon did not help. I, they waited, you know, hours to see, kept monitoring, kept monitoring, kept monitoring. No, not, not really helpful and so, and obviously in the amount of time that I was already at the hospital, it wasn't progressing in like a steady way. So I got Pitocin. They said I should get Pitocin, which I was dreading because I knew that that would increase the chances of me having a C-section even more on top of the induction because that already increased my chances of having a C-section. So, and this Pitocin brought on a very painful contractions. I felt them in my spine, in my lower back. It was really painful. And after some hours of the Pitocin, they told me that it wasn't acting effectively. So it was producing these, what they called coupled contractions, where before one contraction would end, another one would start. And so they were super painful because there was no relief between contractions and they weren't progressive. I wasn't even significantly dilating from them. So after like at least 12 hours, I know I remember it was an overnight thing because I couldn't sleep and that night at all and I was exhausted the next day. They suggested I get an epidural to relieve the pain and allow me to rest a bit. And although I wanted... I really wanted the epidural. I really wanted the pain to go away, but I was reluctant to get the epidural because I knew getting that would then increase my chances of a C-section even more, which, as we know, I did not want. And so 
they suggested to get the epidural to relieve the pain and then allow me to rest a little bit. I was exhausted at that point. So as you can imagine, so I, um, I got it reluctantly, but I got it. After I got the epidural, I felt such a relief not to feel that intense pain and rest and relax. And that's when my cervix was, it did help because I was able to dilate. So that was like, you know, Tuesday. And then by Wednesday, late morning, because I started the induction like Monday evening, like Monday around like five or six. So by Wednesday, late morning, afternoon, I was about six centimeters dilated and I stayed there for the rest of the day. I was so, I was really excited to get be six centimeters dilated. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, um, this vaginal birth, it's going to happen. Yes, progressing. And then I stayed there for the rest of the day. So at the end of the night, the doctor warned that I could, that it wasn't a guarantee that I progressed to eight centimeters and that if I did, I could still have other complications considering the way that this labor was going that would prevent me from having a vaginal birth. But I still wanted to try. And so I did. I waited hours and it wasn't until Thursday after midnight that the doctor came in and and it all came about like they realized my water broke. And earlier I had told a nurse or a midwife that I thought I felt a pop inside my belly and I thought it may be my water and like, uh, I wasn't leaking. They're like, oh, probably not. But it turned out my water did break and they discovered that my daughter had been in meconium, that first poop, probably for some hours, for sure for hours. Not sure how many. It, it, it could have been a while. And because of that, she could have a respiratory infection and need to be in the NICU when she was born. And by that time, I was exhausted and... You know, something inside of me was like, it's time. And I, I wasn't, it wasn't because I was afraid, because I'd actually thought, like afraid that she was going, going to go into the NICU, because I actually thought, no, that's, that's not going to happen to her. But I was just, it actually just clicked that everything I had been doing to try to give her what I thought was best could actually be doing something harmful to her. And at that point, also, I had nothing left. Uh, I did everything I could. And I hadn't eaten, and I hadn't been outside for three days, and I was done. I was done. And I knew it was time. I called the doctor in and said I was ready. And I remember, though, at at that moment, feeling like, I knew it was right to go into, to have the C-section. I knew it was right. I felt it. That was like the only point that I felt that it was right. And then also feeling at the same time that I had failed in some way. And I think I, I remember saying that to my then husband, mom, and young, my younger sister who was with me. But, you know, I didn't have time to process all that in, in that moment. Um, Everybody who was ready for this baby to come. And before I knew it, 
I was rolled into the surgery room. I remember them moving quickly. And it felt really cold in that room, which is, I know, is typical. I've heard other stories. And it felt like I was out of my body because, you know, I had, had the epidural. I couldn't feel my lower body. And then I had this additional numbing medication for the C-section. So, I mean, I kind of was out of body. Um, I really wasn't in touch and couldn't feel. And I was thinking, so I had this physical thing, stuff going on. I'm still shocked that I'm getting a C-section after all my efforts. And I was thinking that, you know, this was not supposed to happen, but then it was actually happening. And I'm trying to be present and all this stuff's going on. I'm shaking and trembling from the side effects of the numbing medication. A lot was going on and I was kind of disappointed and actually more so devastated. And then all this stuff's going on in my mind and then I hear her cry and then, you know, everything kind of stops. And after a short time, um, and she did not have to go into the NICU. She was very, very healthy. And after a short time, the, in the in the cleaning heating table, she was laying on my chest. And I remember feeling so excited to see her and meet her. I couldn't hold her right away when she was on my chest because I was afraid that I would drop her because I was still kind of trembling from the side effects of the medication. But once I was unhooked, it didn't take long for it to wear off. And I was able to hold her. And I remember wanting to do, you know, the skin to skin, obviously, right away. And um, feeling excited, feeling odd, relieved. There's so so many emotions as you as I'm sure you've experienced or can imagine. And while she was on my chest, she's moving around. Her head's moving around. I'm like, what is she doing? Ah, she was she smelled the milk. She's looking for my breast. And she was ready to eat. <laughs> she was hungry too and exhausted probably. And she latched on right away, which was a relief and just a great sign for a pretty easy breastfeeding journey. That was the the silver lining in all of it. And um, yeah. And so what I learned from all of this, well, there's so many, many things, but some key things are that I realize that it's really, it can be really dangerous mentally, physically to create an idea that there's a universal quote-unquote right or best way to give birth or do anything really for that matter. But the right way to give birth is whatever it looks like for you, or whatever it looks like for me. That was the right way. And nothing was is wrong with that. Nothing is shameful about that. And the focus, I focused so much on the birth and how it was going to happen and not really on the baby like that she was healthy she was great and I still you know have to think back sometimes I'm like ah she's like I still have to deal with that still like some shame around that but the focus is on her she's healthy and that is the key thing that matters and also I I've learned and learning to stay open, even when 
I have a plan to always leave room for life, capital L, to come in. So that's what I learned. And I wanted to share. So if someone else has a similar story, they know they're not alone in it. And that, or if you're prepping for an upcoming birth, that you know that really anything could happen despite your best of plans, your best of plans. That's our story for today. Thank you so much for listening in. If you benefited from hearing this story, please give it a five-star rating and follow the pod. If you think someone you know could benefit, please share it. And of course, feel free to leave a comment. I would love to hear from you. Until next time.